welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Our Bible reading this morning is from the two letters that Paul wrote to the young church at Thessalonica. And so reading the opening of the first letter, Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. And then briefly from the introduction to his second letter. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. Thank you very much. Thanks, John. And uh, how about that hymn team that's playing for us this morning? Aren't they fantastic? I'm really enjoying that. Should we get, yeah, let's give them a little, a little well done there. Good morning. My name's Peter Scott. Uh, I serve as the senior pastor here at Kerry, and I'm excited to be here with you. I've been praying and wrestling with the message this morning for a number of weeks, and I thought the very best thing we can do to start with is just bring it before the Lord. So would you pray with me as we start this morning? Father God, thank you that you love us and you guide us. Humbly this morning, we ask that you would speak to us. Please shape my words for your glory. Amen. Amen. The reason I've been wrestling is because this morning we call Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. Now, what's vision? Well, I've got a couple of things up on the screen that you'll see Vision that people have had, building a canal across a continent, taking man to the moon, the internet, mobile phones, even putting a colony of people on Mars. This massive vision. Or on a personal level, there are different visions, aren't there? There's vision for relationship, for a family, maybe for health. And we have these visions because God has created us in his image and he has the enormous vision. God's vision right from the start was to make something out of nothing. 
He made everything out of nothing, the stars, the galaxies, this earth, and his master stroke of vision, of course, is sitting right here. It's you. It's me. It's people. And now God's vision is for this reconciliation of people, of all of us, with him. That's the vision that we're living in right now that God has for us. And here at Cary, we're a movement. We have a vision. I don't know if you've seen this brochure. It's called Cary 2020. And this is talking about the vision for our movement across the schools, the businesses, the churches, Cary 2020. If you haven't read that or looked at it, I really encourage you to. It's about how we can transform other people's lives by showing them God's love, by helping them have the opportunity to experience God's love and showing compassion. But at the beating heart of Carey 2020, of this movement, the spiritual heart is us, God's church. The church of Carey is the pumping lifeblood of the movement. And this morning what I'm excited about is that I believe God is going to speak to us about his vision for us as a church in 2018. His grand vision for Carey Church in 2018. That's what we are about to unpack. So can I encourage you, even if you're not a note writer, grab a pen or grab your phone, take some notes this morning because I think God is speaking to us about what he is going to do this year. So I encourage you, take some notes, use your phone, maybe even re-listen to podcasts. You ready for it? Have I built this up enough? The vision. The vision is that we will be growing deeper. Growing deeper in faith, in hope, and in love. Let me say that again. Our vision this year is that each of us individually, all of us collectively, will be growing deeper in faith, in hope, and in love. Now, we're going to unpack that this morning. Uh, And before we do, you might have a couple of questions. You might say, well, hang on, how did you come up with this this idea, this vision? Where does this come from? Is this just Mr. Scott sitting around in his study praying? Well, actually, no. This vision started many months ago. The staff team at church has a day, actually a couple of days a year, where we come together and we say, Lord, speak to us. And last year we did this, we prayed, we came together, and it was remarkable how quickly and how uh, uniformly we came to this idea that God was calling us to grow deeper. The idea that this year, 2018, we would be growing deeper together. And then I've been praying about it over the last weeks, saying, Lord, what, what do you want us to talk about? What does that mean? So it's not just one person. We believe this is what God is saying to us. And the second question is, is this a biblical vision? Now, faith, hope and love, that sort of sounds kind of, you know, uh, biblical sounds like there's some right language in there. But uh, the reason I picked the Bible verse this morning is not because I'm going to go through it verse by verse. Sometimes when we preach, we pick a passage or there's a passage given to us and we work through it. And that's a great way to learn. This morning, I'm not going to do that. But the passages that I chose are Paul talking to a church in Thessaloniki. And Paul is talking to this church encouraging them about their faith, hope, and love. So in the first passage from, his first, from Paul's first letter, he opens talking about the Thessalonians' work produced by faith, about their labor prompted by love, 
and endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have this idea that Paul's saying, well done, putting your faith, hope, and love together. You're doing well as a church. And what I find fascinating is that then in the second letter, right at the start, he's thanking God for them. Why? Because their faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So what Paul's saying is, well done on having faith, hope, and love, and I am thanking God that it's increasing. You are growing deeper in faith, hope, and love. So yes, I believe what God's calling us into is absolutely biblical. We can see it there in what Paul is saying to the church in Thessaloniki. And just to add one other thing, I did some research, and I was struck by how many places and how many times this idea of faith, hope, and love occur together in the New Testament. I'm going to rattle these off if you're interested Come and see me. Romans chapter 5, 1 Corinthians 13, that's the one you might know. These three remain, faith, hope and love, and the greatest of these is love. Galatians chapter 5, Colossians chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians where we've looked and in chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 6, 1 Peter chapter 1. All of these places, faith, hope and love intertwined. And there's a message that these are really important. So let's start unpacking this idea. Let's talk about growing deeper in faith. What does that mean? In the 19th century, there was a legendary figure. His name was Charles Blondin. You might have heard of this guy. You might not have. He had a vision. He was a tightrope walker. And his vision was to walk a tightrope stretched across the Niagara Falls. So Charles practiced. And he planned and he prepared. And then one day, Charles Blondin, and I'll imitate, I don't know why they use these big poles, it must be important, but he tried to walk across Niagara Falls. And he made it. But Charles Blondin was actually an amazing tightrope walker, so he said, that's not good enough. He turned around, he put a blindfold on. Now, I can't even walk a straight line on a stage with a blindfold on, but... He got a cross with his blindfold on. Then he got on a bike and he rode back. And then he got a wheelbarrow and he came back again and he put a big sack of spuds in the wheelbarrow and he came across and the crowd had gathered and the crowd was mesmerised and they were excited. And Charles Blondin said to them, hey, do you reckon I could do this with a human being in the wheelbarrow? And everyone went, yes! And then the question, of course, came. Righto, who's first? Martin Luther said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a person would stake their life on it a thousand times. And in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for. So here we have this link, faith and hope. The assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The question that Blondin posed was, do you have enough faith that you'd be prepared to die for something? I think the question that's being posed for us is what faith do we have that we're prepared to live for in 2018? What are we being called into? A journey of trust and dependence on God that we are prepared to live for this year. It's good to have heroes, isn't it? 
It's good to have heroes. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a list of what's kind of called the heroes of the faith. And it lists people like Abraham and Moses. Uh, and they're commended for living in a state of faith, a living, living in a state where they were trusting what God was doing. But they didn't all receive what had ultimately been promised. Moses didn't get to the promised land, for instance. In the New Testament, we frequently see churches that are under persecution. And we know from history that as early Christians, putting your faith in Jesus Christ and living in that way actually was, in many ways, putting your life on the line. So there's all these biblical heroes, but what about today? Do you know any heroes of faith today? Maybe you know a couple that used to be at Cary called Paul and Becky Oates. This is a couple who served at Cary for many years. Uh, And then they felt being called to be on mission in India. And so they arranged their lives. They they sold their house. They got everything organised and off they went. But, But soon after they left, they had to come back. And circumstances happened that meant the doors closed and, and over a period of several years they, they couldn't go back. So now they've actually moved to Sydney and they're working in Sydney. Doesn't sound like a heroic story, does it? But here's what I would put to you. The Oates family continued to live in faith that God was good. They continued to live in faith that he had a plan, even though they couldn't understand what it was. Now, I have asked permission for this story, and and I just love this quote from Paul. He says, look, you can tell our story as long as you make it clear that we are just very average followers still coming to terms with it all. They have this enormous faith. And you know how I know that? Because even in the midst of a really difficult time for them, wondering what's going on, is God really saying stuff to us? They continued to serve in a way that blessed others. They continued to invite people around for lunch. Two years ago, Helen and my very first week at Cary, we got invited to the Oates' for lunch. In the midst of all of this stuff, they still said, Lord, we'll still invite people over for lunch. Wow, that to me is living out your faith here and now. And I believe God is calling us into a year of growing into that sort of faith. A faith that holds on to the assurance of what God's telling us. Holds on to the assurance that God loves us even when we feel like the answer is no or not yet. A faith that continues to be active. Growing our faith can be exciting as well. Some of you might know another couple from this church called Scott and Holly Nelson. They've moved across east, and and at a certain point last year, they thought they were going to have to leave, and they were totally prepared to leave here, not knowing where they were going. They were going to leave in faith. They didn't know whether it was Melbourne or Sydney that they were going to, but you know what? There was an excitement. There was an idea of this is an adventure of faith. We're going to drive across to Adelaide, and if we have to, we're just going to wait there and, and figure out which way to go. Faith can be exciting as well, this journey that God calls us into. Jesus said that with faith, we can move mountains. So the obvious question for each of us this morning, what is God calling us, you, 
to step into faith with this year. Now, maybe it'll be an area of health, maybe relationship, maybe finance. I'm confident that as a community, we're going to be asked to step into faith into something this year. So here's what I'd like you to do. In fact, just before I give you this thought, here's the the key thought, really. Whatever it is that God calls you to, me to, us to, it's going to be more dependent on him. Let me repeat that because it's so important. Faith that we're being called in to grow into this year, it's going to be more dependent on God and less on something that we can control. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. You might have got or sat down almost on one of these. Now, there's a beautiful bookmark that our wonderful Sue Gifford has created, and here's why we've decided to do this. I'm confident God is going to work in our lives this year. I'm going to encourage you this morning, if the Holy Spirit is prompting you, as we talk about faith, there's a little spot for faith here. Jot something down there. We're going to pull these out in eight months' time towards the end of the year and have a look at it and say, wow, look what God did. So I want to encourage you this morning, if something pops into your head in any of these areas, jot it down. There's a whole bunch of space on the back to jot it down. Now, it might be something where you're saying, wow, I can already see I've grown. It might be something where God is saying, I think this is the area you're going to grow this year. It might even be a word for us that you can share with me or somebody later on. But I encourage you to write this down. And if you're somebody for whom bookmarks are likely to get lost, then after this morning, why not take a photo on your phone? But I'm going to refer to this through the service because I think God is speaking to us today. Write it down. Don't let it go. Right, we've talked about the link between faith and hope already. So let's talk about growing deeper in hope this year. God is calling us to grow deeper in hope. So as believers, our hope is in God and God's promises. Our hope is in God's plans and our hope is in Jesus Christ and what Jesus did for us. Beautifully summarised in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. I think I've got this on the screen as well. Praise be to God, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. <clears throat> I, uh, I have a friend. I have a, a friend that I met many, many years ago. And uh, we worked together for a number of years. This is uh, overseas. And he, uh, incredible guy, great intellect, but also a really good EQ, you know, this sort of person who's really clever but also can really connect with people. Um, and he was going somewhere. He was a real high flyer, um, not a Christian in any way, not, uh, in fact, uh, I don't know if he was an atheist or agnostic, but um, not at all interested in religion. It just was, you know, just a side issue. Maybe he could relate to people if he knew something about it. Uh, we stopped working together after five years or so. We moved to different jobs in different countries and, uh, and we stayed loosely in touch. And then about four years ago, I found out that my friend had been put in prison. Uh, not just any prison. My friend was put in prison in a former Soviet Union country. Put in prison in the middle of nowhere. Put in prison where everybody in prison was neither English speaking nor any sort of uh, 
um, th there were many Muslims. There, there was nobody that he could relate to there. And this country was a place that Amnesty International says has human rights violations and very little religious freedom. What hope is there for a guy like that? That's the thought that went through my head when I heard about it. I thought, oh my goodness, I've seen this sort of stuff on TV. What, what hope is there for him? These circumstances are completely stacked and uh, oh well. But then, then God said, Peter, there's a glimmer of hope here, isn't there? I'm still around. I said, yeah, but Lord, you know, yeah, that's, this is real life. You know, he's, he's a long way away. Uh, uh, what can I do? So I was prompted to write a letter. I didn't know if I was going to get there. Um, so I wrote a letter. Um, and then I wrote another one and, and I decided, well, actually, you know, I'm going to write regularly. So I, I wrote regularly, hoping. My friend got out of prison about two months ago. And uh, I asked him to, well, he actually wrote something and I asked him if he'd read it for us. So let's have a listen to what he's got to say. When the dawn comes, do you know a moment when you can say that night has ended and the day has begun? In my dark night, I was at first deprived of the ability to communicate with the people around me as I didn't know their language. More than once I have been stripped naked by the police and beaten while they watched, been in solitary confinement for days, placed in a room with bright lights permanently on for three days given false confessions to sign, lived in a room infested with flies and cockroaches for months and lived in fear and uncertainty of what would come next. Sometimes I was half starved. In winters with temperatures of down to minus 35, I was deprived of any hot water or heating. In summer left in stifling confined rooms where the outside temperature was up to 40 degrees. But more severe than all this, I was deprived of justice. But in the darkness of this long night, when I felt alone and apart from the world, when I had lost almost everything that it is possible to lose, something kept me from giving up with life, a light, a presence, a tiny voice speaking to me, telling me I'm not alone, telling me not to give up and telling me that I was there for a purpose. If you have ever watched the sunrise across the desert, across a flat horizon, you know that well before it is risen, you can see its first glow. It is still night, but the sun is breaking the darkness. You look, you wait, and the light slowly grows stronger. I opened my heart to this voice, this presence. I knew who it was calling me telling me to be patient, telling me not to give up. I only became a Christian after many, many months and years through long, quiet hours of conversation with this presence and contemplation through reading the Bible and the Christian books that people sent to me and above all, looking through and reflecting on the examples of compassion and witness that I personally received from Christians all over the world, some of whom didn't know me. It was only through all this that I was able to understand that this voice, this presence, was Jesus and that what was happening was part of his plan for me 
and that I was ready to accept him into my heart and my life. I wondered if I was going to tear up on stage. I think I'm okay. I've shed many tears. It was a profound, has been an incredibly profound journey. Even for a guy who calls himself a pastor now, of seeing the real tangible hope we have today. Hope that's alive and active. I hope you could hear that story. It's, it's just incredible to me how God works. So this year, he's calling us to grow deeper in our hope and to see the world around us differently. To see the world differently because we know Jesus, to see through circumstances. Did you know, for instance, that right now, this morning, we have a team that's gone into Banksia Juvenile Detention Centre. And the reason they're there is because they see the hope of Jesus for the kids there. You know that we've got a school here, 1,500 kids. The reason this school was, was birthed was because we see the hope for those children and their families in Jesus Christ. We have a youth group of, a couple of youth groups, 200 kids every week. We see hope in Jesus for them. And each of us have family. We have friends, we have colleagues. God's calling us to see hope in Jesus Christ for them this year. So let me give you another moment. Grab your bookmark. It's God talking to you about Hope for you this year. Is God talking to you about hope for somebody else this year? Is God talking to you about being hope for somebody this year? Write something down if he's speaking to you right now. And our third area is growing deeper in love. Now I'm going to talk about two things here, growing deeper in our knowledge of God's love for us and deeper in our love for God, but also our love for others. This topic is so big, it's, you could do an entire year of sermon series on it. I'm not going to do a whole lot. I'm just going to share a couple of things. You see, I think we're being called to grow deeper into this love that sees God as the originator of love for us. The whole story in the Bible tells us this. God created this world, and he said it was good. He created us, and he said, this is very good. And then we see this God of love come and rescue his family out of Egypt, rescue them from slavery. And later on, we see, of course, that he rescued everybody from sin by sending his son. And, and today, what we see is that God has given us the Holy Spirit who is living and, living and active in each of us who have accepted Christ and he's given us his word, which is also called living and active. So between those two, each day we have the opportunity to experience God's great love for us. What does that look like? When I was thinking about this and saying, Lord, I've come up with all these examples, but what should I share about when I felt that I grew deeper in your love, my understanding of your love for me? And here's what the story that came to mind. It's a story from our time in Alaska. I use a lot of those stories because we were there for so long and because it's so strange, it makes interesting stories. When we went to Alaska, it was, it was difficult to start with. We had a tiny little family, a baby and a two-year-old. We didn't know anybody. It's a strange environment, beautiful environment, but just very different. 
And, and you might know where Alaska is. It is part of the USA. It's attached to Canada by land, but it's actually part of the USA uh, by, by uh, country. And it is separated from Australia just by thousands and thousands of miles of ocean across the Pacific. And we were there, and when we were first there, it was, at times, really lonely. And at times, you'd ask yourself, what on earth are we doing? And I remember reflecting one time. And God brought to me Psalm 139, verses 9 and 10. I don't know if you know Psalm 139, but here's what it said. If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. And I can tell you at that moment, I knew that I knew that I knew that God loved me intimately and deeply. That he was speaking just to me, even if I settle on the far side of the sea. That's exactly where I was. And God's saying, I know you're feeling lonely, but my hand is there to guide you. My right hand is holding you fast. And in that moment, I grew in my understanding of how personal and intimate God is, how much he delights in us, in me. Have you had a moment like that? Is there something in your experience? Maybe it wasn't a Bible verse. Maybe it was something else. And I know some of you have. Some of you shared me shared some of these types of moments recently where you've seen God is interested in me. If you have, I'd encourage you to write that down just now. Something that you go, yeah, I remember that. Because that's what I think God's asking us to grow into this year in all sorts of different ways. It may not be a Bible verse that um, springs out to you, but it may be. There are all sorts of ways that God can speak to us. So I want to encourage you this year to allocate time for God. Allocate time in our, in our busy lives to just hang out with him. Maybe it's reading the Bible. Maybe it's doing your own worship time, listening to podcasts. Maybe for you it's walking. But I encourage you that growing deeper in relationship with God is about spending time. And as we grow in our understanding of just how much God delights in us, that's when we will overflow in love to others. I know some of you are Simpsons fans. Uh, Great show. And... uh, there's this good, oh, there's lots of great episodes, but there's this episode where Homer suddenly gets this niggling feeling that everything's not well with his wife's mum, mother-in-law, very important. And uh, he, he just, you know, there's something going on and he realises, you know what, she needs some love. And here's Homer's quote. He's talking to his wife, Marge, and he says, your mother seems really upset about something. I better go and have a talk with her during the commercial break. Homer was full of love, but only at a point that was kind of convenient for him. I don't know if that rings a bell for you, but I read that and I thought, oh boy, convicted, guilty. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm good at loving other people, but only on Tuesday afternoon when I've got a little slot and then maybe I'll talk to somebody or call somebody. Actually, we're being called into a love that's quite different. When Paul was talking to the Thessalonians, he used the phrase, a labour prompted by love. And it carries the idea of hardship for love's sake. The Greek word that Paul uses is called agape. And it's this love, this idea of a love that's focused on what's good for the other. 
A love that accepts inconvenience, accepts the cost, accepts the pain. And if you're thinking, I've heard this story before, you're absolutely right. It's the love that Jesus has for us. That undeserving love that wants to give and bless and accepts the cost of pain. It's the love the early church had that they showed the world that changed the world. It changed the Roman Empire and the entire world for millennia afterwards. It's a love that creates deep, rich community and that's the sort of community God is calling us to be more and more this year in 2018. Does that sound good? Is that something you want to be a part of? Even though it requires sacrifice, that's something that I can see as a vision of absolute beauty because it's what God created for us. It's the sort of place that I want to be. Next week, we have our commissioning service. Miranda mentioned it. And commissioning service is this celebration of the fact that this church has been called to birth ministries where we serve others. Out of the overflow of what we've been given, we serve others. Celebrating the ways that we can show love to our community and be involved there. It's a time where our faith and hope in God meet the love that he has for us and that we can show for others. God's love is calling us into that mission. And commissioning is celebrating one of the ways that we've been called to grow deeper into his love. So let me encourage you again, if you've got something, write it down. And I'm going to recap now and just close up this morning. We are in the midst of God's grand vision. This grand vision of reconciling the world to himself. A grand vision that involves his love for us that will then overflow to others. He is calling us to grow deeper deeper into a faith that is dependent on him, deeper into a hope that is entirely fixed on Jesus through all circumstance, and deeper into an understanding of the immense love and delight that he has for us as his kids. So I hope you have been prompted to write some things down. Keep this. We will refer to this later on in the year. You might not have written something down today. That's fine. But I would encourage you to start looking today, tomorrow, this week, this month, Where is God saying, I want to grow you deeper? Where is God saying, I want to grow us deeper? Because that's what he's calling us into. And here's what I want to say as my last thing to close off with. This is not something I want you to go away with feeling heavy and there's a lot of work. God is going to do this. God is at work. You know, when Moses was called in to go to Pharaoh through, you know, go back and face these difficult circumstances... Actually, God was just giving him an invitation. Do you want to be part of this? Because I'm going to be saving my people. Do you want to be part of this? And I think that's what he's saying to us this morning. He's inviting us in. He's inviting us into growing deeper, inviting us into something he's already doing, into richer, more dependent lives where we grow deeper in him. Would you pray with me as we close this morning? Father, you are awesome. We live surrounded by your incredible vision for life, the majesty of sunsets and mountains and the rich blessing of community. We believe this morning that you are calling us into a season of growing deeper in our faith, in our hope and in our love as individuals and as the community of Cary Baptist Church. Thank you for inviting us into that. Would you give us courage to depend on you? Would you shine your hope into our hearts? 
Would you increase our love for you and for each other that we might become a people with your fire in our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Change us. Grow us. For your glory. Amen.